0: You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. In the federal budget on 11 May, the government announced a proposed two-year amnesty to allow people to commute out of certain complying legacy-type retirement income stream products to convert to more modern types of retirement income streams. I'm your host, Craig Day, and here to talk about this important development is both Kim Guest and Tim Sanderson, both senior technical services managers in the First Tech team. G'day, Kim.
1: Hi, Craig. Hi, Tim.
0: G'day. How are we? All very well. Now, we're going to be talking about some of these federal budget announcements, or one in particular, around this legacy product conversion. So, as we go through, keep please keep in mind that what we're talking about here is proposals, and we don't actually have any legislation. In fact, we've got uh, not that much detail to go on, but still a very important issue to um, to talk about during a podcast. So, Tim, what was actually announced on Budget Night in relation to uh, complying or legacy-type income streams?
2: Yeah, so it's a, a really exciting announcement, I think. So it's, it's going to be, it, it's a proposed one-off two-year window uh, to be able to exit certain non-commutable legacy pensions. Um, so it is voluntary. Um, so no one's going to be forced to do it. Um, but what it would involve is a, a, what would be allowed is a, a full commutation of the capital supporting those pensions, including any reserves where applicable, and that would go back to accumulation phase and the person would then have the ability to um, commence a new, more flexible pension, such as an account-based pension, subject to transfer balance cap. Um, they can mm-hmm. take one sum, leave it in accumulation phase or a combination of those those options.
0: Okay, and when when is this proposed to apply from?
2: Yeah, so it's it's proposed to start from the start of the financial year after it becomes legislated. Um, now we don't we don't know with certainty exactly when that will be. Okay, yeah, I think I, I was
0: chatting to someone the other day, and they were looking through the the budget line line by line in, in great detail, and and they said actually the government had included some revenue for the 2021-22. So that's next financial year um, for this particular measure. So look, we don't know, but potentially what the government may be intending to do is to is to get this through um, Parliament very quickly. So we would have um this next two years starting on the first of uh first of July 2021. Now I do wonder about that because as we're gonna go through here, there's a there's a fair amount of uncertainty that I think is going to have to be clarified. Um, for people to actually make decisions around this. And uh, and some of those issues are, are, are going to be quite interesting to see clarified by the ATO or the government. So whether that timing is going to work or whether more realistically, we might be doing this from the 1st of July 2022, we need to wait and see. So Kim, what sort of pensions are we talking about here? So we, Tim said we're talking about legacy pensions. What do they include?
1: Yeah, so the budget announcement said that it applies to market linked, so that's your old term allocated pensions, um, life expectancy, and lifetime products that were commenced prior to 20 September 2007. So that's your old complying lifetime and life expectancy and your TAPs, your term allocated pensions. Um, It's not clear, though, if they've been rolled over to a subsequent income stream after 20 September 2007, whether they're going to be covered by these rules.
0: So that's 20 September 2007. So we're not talking about 1 July 2017 when when we had those capped defined benefit income stream product rules come in we're actually going all the way back to actually when those those social security rule changes and we had the introduction or actually, is it, mm. yeah, the, the, the termination of the 50% asset test exemption. Yeah, that's right.
1: That. Yeah, so you had to be, the original income stream had to be purchased before 20 September 2007 to get your old 50% asset test exemption for Centrelink. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they're going on that date.
0: Right. So the rules or the budget paper, um, that we got sent through on, on budget night talked around those income stream first commenced after 30 June 2000, sorry, 20 September 2007. Prior to, um, yeah. Yeah, prior to. So if we have had someone that maybe they commenced a term allocated pension and have subsequently rolled over, there, I suppose there's two ways you can read that, isn't there? There's There's one to say, well, your new pension Um, You commenced that after 30 September 2007, so that's going to be covered by these rules. Or they could potentially link that back to say, you originally commenced before the rollover, um, you can originally commenced that before the 20 September 2007. So, therefore, that new income stream that you rolled over on or after 20 September 2007 could potentially be included, but we—I suppose—the issue there is we just don't know.
1: Yeah, that's right. We don't know. That's going to be a big, a big issue. Um, hopefully, they will allow. You know where we've rolled over to usually a tap after that time, and we call those tap clones, don't we? Whether they're covered as well.
0: Yeah. So you, you and that has been a reasonably popular strategy, hasn't it? So maybe mm. you've had someone with a complying life expectancy or lifetime. Um, a lot of people have converted across to uh, a complying term allocated pension for various reasons during during the last 10 odd years. Um, hopefully those people would also, that with those people, those TAP clones or, you know, a term allocated pension that also satisfies the account-based pension rules, um, that they would also get the benefit of this amnesty. It would seem rather strange that they wouldn't. Okay. Okay, so Tim, now... When you were describing that, you said that you're going to be able to commute the amount of the pension plus any reserves. Now, um, this is kind of a, a really important issue that needs to be clarified, isn't it? Because what is actually a reserve in relation to a complying income stream product is not all that clear.
2: Yeah, that's right. So the, the proposal is that any reserves would need to be transferred back as part of this exit process Um, and the other thing that was announced was that those commuted reserves wouldn't count towards the members concessional cap but they would be treated as an assessable contribution to the fund and taxed at 15% now so for taps there's no problem because they don't have reserves so it's a straightforward process but mm-hmm. the life, lifetime and life expectancy pensions, it, it is more complicated and we are going to need further clarification because um, there's, I guess, a number of ways of looking at reserves. Um, I guess from a tax perspective, um, for lifetime pensions, will it be the whole amount of money supporting the pension as per uh, an ID put out previously by the ATO? Um, for life expectancy pensions, is it the whole amount, or is the reserve going to be limited to um, the lesser of the commuted amount, or uh, and the remaining uh, income stream payments, um, or is it going to be, um, you know, more of an actuarial sort of situation? Like, is it the best estimate? Is it the high probability amount, or is it all amount supporting that income stream? Um,
0: yeah, that's that's I, I take into account the fifteen percent tax that's going to apply here, this is going to be a really critical issue um, for those people deciding whether they want to take this option up. Um, I mean, if, if you were to take the view, and I think it's back if you go and look at uh, the SMSF regular, Regulators Bulletin 2018-1, that, uh, that in there the ATO talks about what reserves are for tax purposes and they and they kind of talk about complying income streams and they basically say that they make it clear that that includes all of the assets that you've set aside to pay the pension so in that situation there's no real concept of you know uh, a pension commutation amount and a separate reserve it's it's all reserve. so if you, for example if you had a million dollars sitting inside a reserve paying a, a complying lifetime income stream and you wanted to commute that under these rules and allocate it back that's one hell of a tax liability just for a, to get a you know a more flexible income stream product but i think if actually you go and look at the um the fact sheet in relation to this they give an example there where they talk about i think it's a lifetime pension um, and they talk about the fact that the lifetime pension doesn't actually have a reserve so you know if if we go off that it kind of implies that what you might be looking at this from an actuarial perspective so you mentioned that before, that we might look at this lifetime pension and go off a, a best estimate or a balance of probabilities. So that, that's an actuarial determination of the, the level of assets that would required to, on a balance of probabilities, be necessary to pay or con- be able to continue to pay that income stream. And then you might go to a to a higher degree of probability. So um, generally, that would be a larger amount of assets that would be required to be set aside. And they may say the difference between the best est- est estimate, sorry if I can speak, the difference between the best estimate and the high degree of probability, that's the reserve amount, but the amount up to the best est- estimate is the commutation value. So that would kind of make sense to me. Um, but I suppose there the issue you're going to have is um, any amounts over and above that that high degree of probability, they're probably going to say that, well, that isn't actually even a, um, a pension reserve. That's just a general reserve of the fund. And so these rules probably wouldn't apply there. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, that's right. I think we're going to have to wait and see. But um, I guess depending on, on what treatment it ends up being, there is the potential still for some situations to have very large reserves and potentially very large accessible contributions when exiting.
0: Yeah, so you, you would you would think about that and say, for a client, I, I was chatting to someone in industry that just the other day and they were talking about a client with a $40 million lifetime income stream, complying lifetime income stream. So for them, that would be an enormous tax liability to allow them to, to make use of these rules. So that would obviously be a, a very key decision or issue or consideration when we're looking to apply these rules. Now, Kim, I think the government also mentioned something about social security in this announcement. Can you go through what they've said there?
1: Yeah, so they've said that um, if you choose to commute um, your legacy pension back to accumulation phase, um, and then you might start another income stream such as an account-based pension, those concessions that you received, such as 100% asset test exemption if it was first purchased before 2004 or 50% asset test exemption if it was first purchased before 2007, won't carry across. So you'll no longer get those asset test exemptions um, when you commute it and start a new income stream. But the good news is they they said that they're not going to do that clawback that they um, have It is possible for them to do where they actually ask for their age pension that you received in the five years prior to commuting it back again, um, the extra age pension that you received because of that asset test exemption. They um, specifically said they're not going to do that. So they won't be raising any debts, which is good news.
0: That's great news. Yeah. So I would imagine that for some people, um, the loss of concessional um, asset testing treatment might be you know, a bad outcome. Can you run through how that's going to work and whether there are some situations where it might actually be a good outcome?
1: Yeah, so it's really going to vary um, depending on the person. So, Currently, you know, those products have an asset test exemption, either 100% asset test exemption or 50% asset test exemption, depending on when they're purchased. And these products have been running for quite some time usually. Um, so it could even be that, you know, those asset values have been running down over time. And if, if somebody has a lifetime pension, for example, and they're past their life expectancy there would actually be nil asset value being assessed by Centrelink at the moment. And then if they choose to commute them and roll over and start a new pension, well, that's obviously, the account-based pension will be asset tested. Um, And so it'll be really important to have a look at what impact that's going to have on their social security pension.
0: I think that's really important because we're focusing on losing this 50% assets test exemption, but for some clients, they're already getting 0% of this pension actually counting. So they're getting a um, you know, so okay, for a hundred percent assets test write-off, but but even if you've got someone that's got a fifty percent assets test exemption, if they've outlived their life expectancy and they've got one of these lifetime income streams, then there's nothing counting to begin with, let alone fifty percent of
1: it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So once once you reach your, your life expectancy with a lifetime one and assuming it's not reversionary, then, um, the you know, your asset value has gone down to nil anyway. Um, and then when you commute it and start this new one, you're going to have something that's accessible, um, the asset, you know, account balance of that new account-based pension. So yeah. it will depend on the numbers. It will depend on whether they that then makes them asset tested and impacts their age pension um, as to whether... I can imagine a really, really important
0: consideration. Um, What about from an income? So if you've got a client that's not assets tested, but they're income tested, so they start this new account-based pension, Mm. they're now going to be deemed, but we're dealing with historically low deeming rates. Could the client actually be better off in that situation?
1: Yeah, they could. I mean, under the income test for, for those legacy pensions, you know, it was annual payment minus deductible amount. And it's possible that that could be, you know, quite a bit of accessible income that's being assessed um, compared to if they commuted it and rolled it over to an account-based pension, as you said, it's deemed. So it will really depend um, firstly, of whether they're affected by the income tests. And then, you know, they could actually result in a lower amount of accessible income by doing this.
0: Right. So This looks like it's going to be some complex analysis for advisors there. They're needing to think about the reserves from a tax perspective, and they're also needing to think about um, social security treatment for for our um, social security clients. What about, Tim, transfer balance cap? Because I think in the government announcement, they have confirmed that the normal transfer balance cap rules would apply here. So... Can you just run me through how that's going to work when we're looking to commute one of these complying income stream products and then commence a new account-based pension, for example?
2: Yeah, that's right. So the the normal rules will apply. There was no sort of announced change to that. So what would need to be considered is um, what debit is going to apply for the exit of the original income stream and then also the commencement of the new income stream to ensure that that there's no excess transfer balance um so it, in terms of commuting one of these um very likely to be a cap to benefit income stream and so in terms of lifetime income streams that debit value is generally the original credit that had arose for that income stream for um taps and life expectancy pensions it's a little bit different it's the original credit uh, less any commutations and less certain pension payments um, uh, prior to the financial year since 2017, and also the the greater of the amount received or entitled to receive this financial year. So, yeah, so that's that new that's that new formula
0: yeah. that came out last year.
2: Yeah. That's right. Um, and then, of course, for the new income stream, it's not going to be a cap-defined benefit income stream. Um, it will be, let's say, an account-based pension being commenced. So it's just going to be the starting balance of that, of that account-based pension.
0: All um, right. So I would imagine there that I'm, I'm really looking to, to weigh up, okay, what is my debit value? Then what is the, the value of my transfer balance account going to be and therefore my cap space? And then what proceeds have I got left? Because if I'm, you know, not everyone's running around with $40 million lifetime pensions. um, But if I'm someone that's got, let's say, a couple of million in a lifetime pension, even then I would imagine fairly rare, but maybe for these kinds of cohort more, more common than not. Um, in that kind of situation, I need to think, okay, well, I've currently got a cap to find benefit income stream. That counts towards the transfer balance cap up to the transfer balance cap. So I can't have an excess. So I might be sitting there with you know, $5 million worth of assets supporting one of these lifetime income streams. I'm, I'm sitting pretty because I've got all of this sitting in a, a tax-free environment. I then have this opportunity present itself, And I'm thinking, well, if I commute and go back, sure, I can get all of this out and maybe commence a much more flexible account-based pension. But that new account-based pension is now going to be subject to the 1.6 transfer balance cap. So I've got to think about the debit that I'm going to get um, and then how much space I'm going to get left. So even in a perfect world, and and I'm not suggesting for a moment this would actually be the case, but if you got a a debit – that was equal to the, the cap space you would end up or the proceeds were, were equal to the cap space that you would end up with. So you could turn around and um and put all of that back into a pension. Remember there that you could only put up to the transfer balance cap that applied at that time. So for most of these people, that's going to be 1.6 million because they've already had a, a, a retirement phase income stream. Yeah, so the, with
2: that, you came out, you can only get 1.6 million back in. Yeah, so potentially large amounts in some cases being used to exit these pensions. Um, so there's there's probably going to be a lot of situations where um, only a, a part of that amount is going to be able to uh, be used to com- commence an account-based pension with the remainder potentially being left in the accumulation phase or um, in the case or taken out as a lump sum. And in the case of a death benefit, of course, it, yeah. it can't be um, left in the accumulation phase. Yeah, you're going to have to take it as a lump sum. Wow. So I, I guess,
0: you know, another kind of issue here that you're saying is these these announcements are great and, and you know, roundly applauded by the industry. But the devil here is really in the detail that um, there will be some clients that will be much worse off if you're thinking about large amounts um, with significant reserves that are coming out, being taxed on the allocation back and then uh, the other fact is you're only going to be able to get uh, uh, only a proportion of what you've pulled out of the tax-free retirement phase back into the retirement phase in the form of an account-based pension. So you'd really be needing to weigh all of that up, as opposed to, I think, the the risk there if you've got someone that's in a, a lifetime income stream and uh, and they pass away, then you could be left with massive reserves sitting in there that now – just a general reserve and how do you get them out. So that would need to be balanced with that, I would imagine. Um, so,
2: sorry, you were going to say something? Yeah, just agreeing with you, absolutely. So it isn't really weighing up those two two things, particularly in the case of these sort of very large pensions.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Kim, from an advice perspective, um, what, are, what are advisors going to need to be thinking about here?
1: Yeah, so I mean, at this early stage, I guess it's about identifying those clients that have um, those legacy pensions that we're talking about um, and just getting ready once we know exactly how these new rules are going to work um, to do that analysis to see, you know, whether they should take advantage of this two-year commutation window or not. So there's going to be yeah. definitely some work to be done once we know how the rules are going to work in detail.
0: And I think as we've gone through this, this will work for some people, but for other people, I can imagine they're just going to sit tight and say, thanks for the opportunity, but uh, no thanks.
1: Yeah, it certainly won't be for everybody.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think that pretty much sums up all we can know about this particular announcement at this particular stage. So keep tuned. We will be writing articles uh, in relation to this announcement in uh, strategic update uh, and providing you with additional updates when further information comes available. So, Kim and Tim, first first three-person podcast. Thank you. Yay. Okay,
1: thank much. you. <laughs> Bye, Brian. See
0: you guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again, consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered
1: by any person arising from reliance on this information.